Welcome to the Playbook for Amazon podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lieber, and the goal of this podcast is to share what's working today that's helping my company, Turnkey Product Management, sell over eight figures per year on Amazon for our clients. We will share with you the actionable steps, systems, and playbook that you can plug into your business to boost your sales on Amazon. Let's go. Welcome to the Playbook for Amazon podcast brought to you by Turnkey Product Management. My name is Brad Enright. I am the Director of Client and Partnerships here at Turnkey. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. Excited about today's guest. We're going to be talking PR and Amazon with Jackson Whiteman, one of my favorite people. Jackson is the founder and the director of Proper Propaganda, PR agency based in Montreal, Quebec. And he is also the author of a new book titled The Tech PR Playbook, How to Make Media Love You, Influence People, and Explode Awareness About Your Innovation Company. It has just hit the market today, and we'll be talking about that book in just a little bit. Jackson, good to see you. How are you, man? I am doing great, and it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Brad. Uh, No, it's our pleasure to have you. We've known each other for a long time, and we've always talked about doing something like this, so I'm glad we could finally do it. Um, Again, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on the book. Looking forward to talking about it a little bit later on here. Uh, You sent me an advanced copy of it. I read a few chapters of it the other night, and it was great. Really enjoyed it. So thank you very much. Will as well. Congratulations. I know writing a book is not an easy thing to do. So it was an adventure, but thank you very much. (laughs) Well, again, the topic for today is PR and Amazon. And again, there's nobody better to talk about that than with you. I know you've done a lot of work with some Amazon sellers here, so let's get right to it here. Uh, first question is, when you're meeting with a client and you've got a, a partnership with someone, how do you determine the audiences that you're going to try to reach out to for a PR campaign? When I say audiences, I'm talking about because it's PR, not advertising. How do you decide on publications, journalists? any particular categories that you might want to reach out to? How do you do that for the clients that you're partnering with? Sure. I think there's a couple of ways. Most clients, first of all, come with some preconceived notions about who their buyers are, their buyer archetypes are. That may be because they've sold other SKUs on Amazon. That may be that they've had other experiences with e-commerce. So many people come with preconceived notions about about buyer archetypes and those are candidly very helpful. I think one of the other things we do and, and one of the other things that any competent PR function would do is look at competitor products and competitor narratives. And so if you make, um, say, a headphone, for, for example, there are people who write about headphones. There are people at The Verge or TechCrunch or whatever who would have written about your competitors whatever those competitors are, whoever those competitors are. And so that's a very good place to start in terms of media targeting. Um, Beyond that, I mean, the fact is journalists move around a fair bit. People's beats change. So just because somebody covers headphones today doesn't mean they're going to be covering headphones in six months. So you want to make sure you're kind of doing your homework, looking at recent coverage, making sure that the guy who covered headphones isn't now covering e-bikes or something like that. And then I think one of the things we try and do, and and I think smart 
a smart PR function will try and do this um, is look at people's personal preferences. And so journalists tend to be people, they tend to, they tend to be active on Twitter, they tend to share things on social media. Um, it could be that, you know, somebody somebody's beat is e-bikes, but she often tweets about headphones and how she's had problems with her headphones or perhaps her earbuds are falling out or whatever. So sometimes we, we want to look at that as well, look at not only what people's beats are, not only what their coverage are, but what have they kind of shared uh, publicly about their own lives? Because sometimes that can be kind of a cool way in and it may be that that journalist who is kind of complaining about her headphones, even though she writes about e-bikes, you can kind of go and, and sort of reach out to her in, in kind of a cool, interesting way and, and be very helpful, which tends to work well for journalists. So I think our three buckets are kind of competitor coverage, past coverage, checking current coverage, and then checking what people are sharing um, personally on, on, on their social profiles. That's great. That's great. That leads to my next question, what you and I talked about briefly before we started recording here. What types of products, you know, Amazon is the, is the shopping mall of the world. Some products sell themselves, others need a little bit of a boost. So in your experience, and if, you know, if there's anybody out there selling on Amazon right now and you're considering PR, this is something you're going to want to pay attention to. In your experience, Jackson, what products, types of products, categories don't need PR because they sell themselves and which ones need some PR? Sure. I'm, I'm happy to speak to that. I think in our experience on Amazon, I mean, then everybody knows this. On Amazon, there are a range of kind of Me Too products, products that are not necessarily differentiated, products where the Amazon seller is not necessarily looking to build a brand. The Amazon seller is simply looking to move volume. Perhaps they're competing on price. There are a few other variables that they could be competing on as an Amazon seller. But I think any Me Too product, any product that doesn't need a brand built because perhaps it's a commodity, um, perhaps because of the way it's it's kind of competing, as I was alluding to, that kind of product does not require PR. And it certainly doesn't require PR to sell on Amazon. There are myriad, and you would know them, your listeners would know them. There are myriad of products that we go to Amazon because, as you say, it is the world shopping mall. And we just go and we, we're seeking something. So, you know, we need some screws. We need um, perhaps a power, a charger for, for one of our devices or something. And we're not buying on brand. We're buying based on kind of, does it work? We look at the Amazon reviews. Is the price right for me? Okay, if those things line up, I'll buy it. There are other products, I think, that are more differentiated where brand matters a lot. And those are products that tend to do well in, in, in terms of PR. So. You know, when you are offering something that's a bit more premium, maybe it's a bit more feature driven, maybe the price point is higher, PR tends to help well. Um, just on that last point, products that are coming in at higher price points, products that are say above $300, $500, something that you're not buying the way you would buy a candy bar or maybe a, a pack of screws or whatever, those products tend to do well with earned media. So earned media is a real role, I think, for Amazon sellers and, and for other people, um, at, at its core, the main function of earned media is to provide credibility and to help a company build its brand equity. So people put trust in the fact that TechCrunch says this is the greatest doohickey since sliced bread or whatever it is. Um, those are products that the investment in PR tends to work out well. We always try to dissuade people 
who are making me twos and those are definitely some sellers on amazon a good chunk even i would say um to avoid spending on pr they do better spending on ads they do better you know spending in other places when you have to compete because you have a prior higher price point or because you're in a category where brand matters immensely then it's worth spending on pr okay great great that makes a lot of sense and following up on that say you have one that's competing on price or needs that brand awareness because of just the uniqueness of the product or they have a lot of competition how would you what are the steps you would take to assess and build a strategy for an amazon seller that is going to require some pr to get to where they need to go sure i mean i think the first the first thing the first question the first typically the first set of things we look at are where are they in terms of amazon i mean how are they doing relative to to competitors on amazon how are they doing in terms of their category and we then look at okay regardless of where they are whether they're kind of the top dog or whether they're kind of climbing up the ladder what is it that competitors have that they don't have or how, how can they kind of how can we use earned media to position them in a way that their competitors aren't positioned and so it may be that you know their competitors have quotes from large media you know the new york times or techcrunch or the wall street journal displayed in their product detail description or whatever um if if our client doesn't have that we will often go and solicit that if we see the competitors don't have those things don't have third party endorsement we'll go and we'll solicit that one of the other things that we sometimes do and you know this i mean one of the most powerful forms of direct sales pr these days are these affiliate listicles that everybody runs so these are stories just for your listeners who may not know these are stories where um uh, a journalist or an outlet will take a commission off of the amazon sales they drive using amazon's affiliate program and these are stories that often sort of appear around particular holidays or calendar dates so it's eight christmas gifts for the techy dad in your life or the 10 best bags to school gadgets for your daughter or whatever it is the, the article is kind of a list form it typically lists out products and the media outlets are taking a commission on all the sales they drive as i said so those kinds of articles if we see that a client hasn't tested that if we could see that a client hasn't kind of built that into any earned media strategy we tend to include those because those tend to work really well for amazon sales so i think first point is kind of looking at competitors looking at where a client is where they are in terms of their amazon presence if they have one or if they don't have one at all just looking at competitors and then if they don't have that kind of listicle piece in their pr strategy thinking through ways to build that out um there are at now most big outlets commerce editors commerce reporters many of whom spend a lot of time thinking about amazon and cool products that are for sale on there to include in the content they produce. Awesome. <clears throat> Going following along with that as you're composing and building a strategy, you know, what we do a lot of here at Turnkey is, you know, we manage, you know, the PPC, the DSP advertising for, you know, just about every client that we have. How can proper propaganda and a PR campaign integrate or collaborate with an ad campaign? so we can maximize the visibility and not you know step on each other's toes. Yeah, I mean there's a couple of different ways that we've seen work very well 
um, for, for sellers on Amazon in particular, but, but also for other e-commerce. I mean, one thing is that the content of earned media, the content you generate from, from PR activities, tends to have an evergreen lifespan. So yeah, there's that moment of publication and everybody tends to get excited when they see, you know, my company is being reviewed, my product is being reviewed in The Verge and they say nice things about it. Well, that's great. That's the moment of publication. But that quote from The Verge that's saying, you know, this is the best um, power bank we tested this year. That quote is very useful in ads. And those, that, those ad sets may convert very well to specific audiences that whoever's doing the, the paid mm -hmm. media currency, um, th th those ads may convert very well. So I think some of the output of PR transfers very well to actual ad content. Um, the other thing we've seen work well for some Amazon sellers is that, you know, there are services beyond kind of classic PPC, um, services like an Outbrain or a Taboola that are essentially paid syndication services. So, you know, these are, are these are services where an article in The Verge that says you're the greatest thing since sliced bread ends up appearing on other websites. Um, so again, it's, it's another function, I think, for sellers on Amazon to kind of give their earned media life beyond immediate publication. And it's another way that the paid and the earned channels can kind of uh, mesh together in, in a nice and, and often juicy way in terms of sales. Yeah, no, that makes that makes as you were saying that it made a lot of sense to me because I remember, you know, we take a lot of, you know, we create what we call here an infographic where we yeah. take a photo of the product and we have, you know, a, a, um, a line of copy here and it's pointing to a specific component of the particular product. Or you could so you could take that quote from The Verge or from TechCrunch and use that in an infographic. So, yeah, it almost generates, you said, just the content generation, just that single element. From PR is a great way to integrate and collaborate and then everything else that it brings along that evergreen that quote can be used for as long as the client yeah. or the product creator wants to use it and in channels that are even beyond you know earned paid or, or influencer or other things right I mean there's really, I know this is you know we're, we're talking about Amazon sellers here today but those quotes can be used in investor decks those quotes can be used when you apply for a grant those I was just going to bring that up that can be used yeah. uses for this stuff because it does live on for, for the sort of history of your business and you know i know that we're in an immediate world and i know that selling on amazon particularly when you're thinking of the context of launches people care about metrics now i get it there's a certain that time sensitivity to that when you launch and, and wanting to get reviews and all those things that kind of bring the good juju from amazon but i think with earned media there is there's a very long lifespan and that's one of the sometimes underestimated things about the channel Pivoting a little bit here, you know, most of the time you hear the P, you hear the term PR machine or you hear the term PR used, and it tends to be associated with something negative. Something went bad. There was a bad product. There was a recall or something. Say, hey, let's get the PR machine moving to damage control. Those types of things. And I know PR can often, obviously, and we've talked about this already, so you may have already answered the question, but how can you use PR in a way that's proactive and positive as opposed to just using it as damage control? Yeah, well, I think, and again, I, I have a hammer and sometimes everything looks like a nail for me, so I'm a little <laughs> biased here, but um, one of the great powers of PR um, and, and of earned media specifically 
is that it builds brand equity. It's just so extremely trusted. I mean, Nielsen does a survey. Nielsen, the guys who did the TV ratings, people might know that. Uh, Nielsen does a survey called Trust in Advertising, and they do it every year, and they've been doing it for a hell of a long time. And every year, you know, earned media ranks kind of just below recommendations from friends as a trusted source. So it ranks well above banner ads or, or a range of other things that, that people might do in, in kind of the paid channel. And I think that's very powerful because when you get into trouble, uh, if you have brand equity built up, you are going to probably weather the storm better than somebody who doesn't. And I think that's the most, it's it's a fairly straightforward and a fairly simple argument, but for me, a very compelling argument as to why companies, particularly consumer facing companies should engage in PR. Um, you never know when the seas are going to get rough. Yeah. And if you have that brand equity built up and if you have that trust built up and earned media being a key component of a key building block in that process, you're going to weather storms much better. I, I think the other thing in terms of, you know, how to use PR proactively, it can serve a range of business functions that are sometimes a bit less obvious. I, I mean, I don't think that, you know, somebody's gonna necessarily want to come hire you because they heard about your big series B round or whatever, but it does convey uh, or, or want to come work for you because you have a lot you raised a large series b round from great venture capitalists but those types of things do convey that you're serious and, and that you are a real company and i think it can it can have an effect on realms that are far far from pr in some ways okay well that makes total sense credibility yeah i mean it helps across the whole spectrum from hiring to fundraising manufacturing, production, all those different things. So, you know, that makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, and so it, it can be well worth the investment. When you do bring on a new client, what is your process? And this is something that, that we have to do. Anyone that works in a service industry or a service capacity has to do when it comes to setting expectations, right? PR is one of those things. Sometimes, you know, one or two things work and it's to the moon. Other times it just kind of falls flat. Uh, that's why you said, we talked about at the very beginning that research up front. Hey, who are we going to contact? Does this journalist like these types of products? You, you know, put yourself, you know, set yourself up for success. But you know, but not it doesn't always work. So how do you set up? How do you set expectations for for your clients? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the first thing we always say is that we are earning the media, not buying it. So Turnkey can tell you when your ad is going to appear who it's going to target, what it's going to say, a bunch of stuff. You guys can guarantee that. Yep. We cannot guarantee that somebody's mother is going to see them on the front page of the New York Times with a nice smiling picture and their product in their hand. Um, as much as we would like to be able to do that, we cannot do that since we are earning the media. So that's the first thing is I try to remind people about the fact that we're earning. So there's an element where the locus of control is not with us. I cannot walk into TechCrunch, put a gun, to the editor's head and say, publish on my power bank because they're launching on Amazon today. That yeah. might lead to some PR troubles actually. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's there's that element. I think the second element um, that we're careful to point out, particularly for sellers on Amazon is, and, and second expectation I like to try and set, particularly for Amazon clients, is we might need to try a few different story angles and a few different media categories to kind of get some traction going. So I had this with a 
a running accessory, a brand that we were working with that was selling on Amazon. And naturally, as a running accessory, we went out to running publications and you know put them in runner's world and that went well wasn't doing anything for their amazon sales though wasn't doing much for their traffic mm -hmm. again it's good to have runner's world saying nice things about you you can put that in your product description but it wasn't doing a lot in terms of direct traffic um then we went out because the product sort of had a had relevance to parents um and parents right. with younger kids so we went out to some parenting media and boom tons of direct traffic to the amazon page tons of big sales spike whole bunch of stuff it wasn't our first play and maybe that's on us maybe it should have been our first play but i think you know we thought okay running product let's go to running publications start there makes sense didn't really do a lot you know was him hum ho a bit and then when we went to kind of the secondary thing it, it really blew up so what is my point my point is that sometimes pr agents agencies have to kind of iterate on okay here's what we're pitching here's who we're pitching um, and that's certainly been our experience with the products we've supported around Amazon. Yeah, I don't think iterations at any level. I mean, I know we have to test certain things when we run ads. So we have to test audiences. We have to test content. You have to test copy. I think that's something that maybe just when it, from a PR perspective, that's not something that people, because it's PR, they don't think that, hey, it might not work this time. So let's try a second option because... PR is, is kind of an ambiguous thing here, you, but you still have to break it down and be scientific with it. So, no, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, in, in the context of Amazon specifically, it's interesting because sometimes weird niche things or things that you think are kind of even farther from the product end up driving traction. We've seen that with a number of brands. We worked with one of the biggest providers of exercise equipment on Amazon. And it took a little while for us to kind of really get this dialed in. And you know, again, went out to exercise media, but really the story was, and the story that moved people on Amazon, was that this was exercise equipment that you could store anywhere, store easily. It was kind of a space saver. And that's what really drove the traffic from the PR channel. Not that it was really good exercise equipment at a cheap price, which yeah. it was. Yeah, it's always, you know, you, like I said, you just never know what's going to work. That's why you have to just keep trying and testing. And you know, that's where it comes back to expectations is managing those expectations and making your clients realize, you know, it may not work from the very beginning, especially if you're first time launching on Amazon, it's going to take some time that's right. for, those, for that traffic to get there and those sales to happen and those reviews to come in and those types of things. So, um, yeah, as long as you can just be patient and control those expectations, you guys are going to be off to it. You're going to be just fine. Um, if someone out there's listening right now that's selling on Amazon and you're a PR expert, what are some things that if they're considering Amazon, what are some red flags that they should look out for? What are some things that they should look for in an agency like yours if they're considering PR for their Amazon business? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that people rightly do is they look when they're hiring agencies at past performance. So they look at, did this agency, you know, I have an automotive related product. Does this, auto, did this agency have, does it have automotive related case studies? And those are fine questions to ask candidly. And, and it's, I think a natural question to ask. It's not the best question to ask in my opinion though, because past performance does not always indicate future success. And just because 
somebody knows a category or maybe doesn't know a category doesn't mean that they can that they can either crush it or 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 fail um we've had situations where some of our biggest successes were with companies in categories that we literally knew nothing about and i think that the success came from the fact that we ported other experience into a product category yep. and happened to work well had the client been saying well you haven't done a keyboard before and i'm a keyboard i'm not touching you yep. they wouldn't have had the success from us so i think you have to be look at past performance but i think you have to be leery of of putting too much stock in it the second thing i would say in terms of hiring agencies is it's a bit like a marriage uh an agency client relationship and so you have to look at who is involved what their particular vibe and work style is i can tell you we are not working 14 hours a day hedge fund hours we are not particularly buttoned down we are not particularly formal that works for some people it does not work for others and i think there's a a kind of a human integrative element that matters and then you know i would say that the two other things that i always call out is are there adults on the account um you know are you going to be sold by someone at your level or my level and then passed on to the team of interns or will there be an adult in the room i think that's always a good question to ask and then the other one is is kind of the billing model so i know i can really only speak for pr here but i think that generally for any kind of marketing service maybe outside of creative um you should have a billing model that's not just time for money that's not just you know the way a lawyer would bill or an accountant would bill so our agency uses a billing model where we are largely compensated based on the performance of of the media we drive or how the influencers we 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 drive do are, we we work with are doing in terms of sales so there's an element of comp that's tied to performance i think that's very important a lot of pr agencies are still using that antiquated time for money model and to be honest it's a very risky channel i can't tell you you're going to be on the front page of the new york times and so sometimes people pay pr agencies all these all this money they pay retainers for a month they get nothing and then they're going what the hell happened um when there's a performance element to the billing structure i think it's better for everybody so those are the four things okay Great. Well, let's let's talk about the book for a second. The Tech PR Playbook by Jackson Whiteman. First of all, as I said I've read the first 50 pages, really enjoyed it. What what motivated you to write a book? There were a couple of things. I think the main one was we've been in business for 12 years. I've been doing this for 20 plus years. We saw innovation companies and i say innovation company i'm meaning like even companies that are not traditionally tech like we've worked with we work with a really cool running shoe brand their name is norda n o r d a and they're making running shoes that are generally they built a better mouse trap like the the shoes are made with crazy material so i say innovation company and anybody can be an innovation company if you're doing something different or pushing boundaries you're an innovation company leaders at these companies tend to misunderstand pr in a set of common ways in our experience i'm not saying leaders at these companies all misunderstand pr many do not but when they do when there are problems around misunderstandings about the channel tends to fall into a range of buckets and i think we wrote the book 
because we kept seeing the same mistakes from leadership and PR is expensive. I mean, it's, yep. you, you know, it's, it's not a cheap channel. It, it can move mountains, but you know, when it fails, it tends to fail spectacularly. And we were just kind of, we, we've been a part of many of these failures. I won't lie. Like, of course we've made mistakes <laughs> like any agency, but we just keep seeing the same mistakes over and over again. And I think that was really the motivating factor to, to writing the book. Okay. So who should read this book? Yeah, it's a good question. Our real target, to be very candid, are, are leaders at innovation companies. And so a leader might be a CEO or a CMO. Um, maybe they're in the PR channel. Maybe they're thinking about getting the PR channel, um, making the investment. But it might also be somebody who's a director level. So sort of that, uh, you know, the equivalent of like the major in the army, uh, a person who's kind of running a day to day PR shop uh, has those responsibilities, has those KPIs to meet. I think that it will work well for that. The book is not really a DIY PR book. Yes, there's, you know, if you, if you wanted to read the book and DIY your own PR program, you probably could. We have put a ton of tools sort of uh, very practical things that we use every day at the agency into the book. People can download those things for free. That's there. But the book isn't necessarily DIY. It's more for decision makers and leaders. And I think the main purpose is to kind of help them understand what the channel is good for and not good for uh, and understand the kind of keys to success in the channel and, and, and also the pitfalls to watch out for. Great. Yes. And in the, the 50 or so pages I've read, it's it's very informative, it's very um, educational, but also if anyone that knows Jackson or anything like that, it's got a nice sense of humor built into it and it's not a boring read by any stretch. It's, it's very informative and it's very witty and it's educational, but it'll, it'll, it'll entertain, like any book, it'll entertain you a little bit at the same time. So you're very kind. That's definitely a lot of learning that, that will come out of it. But again, you'll be doing it with a smile on your face. Uh, Jackson, where can any of our listeners today, where can they get the book? They can go to Amazon and hardcover, softcover, Kindle are there right now. Um, and they are priced for sale. All right. Once again, the book, The Tech PR Playbook by Jackson Whiteman, the founder and director of Proper Propaganda. And if anyone is looking for some PR help, you can reach uh, Jackson and his team at properpropaganda.net. And again, they are based in Montreal. Any any problems crossing borders, working with U.S. companies from Montreal? Anything about would probably one thing we maybe should have talked about. Any any issues? Yeah. There? No, uh, no problems at all. In fact, I can't. Re we have not one Canadian client on the roster right now. Almost all of our media relationships are in the US. We have a number in the UK as well. But um, one of our main businesses has been helping certainly American companies build their brand equity. But we also have helped a number of companies from kind of overseas come into the US market. So um, and, and build brand equity and, and kind of credibility there. So our clients are, are not sitting in the frozen north uh, we are, uh, yeah, our primary theater of operations is the U.S. All right. Again, it's the book, The Tech PR Playbook by Jackson Whiteman from Proper Propaganda. Jackson, appreciate your time. Congratulations on the book. Best of luck with that. And we appreciate you uh, joining us here today on the Playbook for Amazon podcast. We will talk with you soon. Pleasure. Thank you. No problem.